Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Bills season has not gone as planned, and they're making big changes. Are more on the way? Also, the Pelicans are a bit mixed up to start their season. And should Russell Wilson be the favorite for Comeback Player of the Year? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Buffalo Bills fell to the Denver Broncos on Monday night for a slew of reasons, not the least of which was not being able to count to 11. And then on Monday, they fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey as they fall to five and five in now the middle of the pack in a playoff race in the AFC. Joe Marino from Locked On Bills and Locked On NFL Scouting joins me now. And, and Joe, let's start with the play on the field before we get to Ken Dorsey. What What is missing this year from a Bills team that we have seen over the last three or four years be one of the most consistently good teams in the league? Well, I think the execution errors and sloppy mistakes of the football team just don't go away. They've been happening all season long. I think you saw it in week one, Monday Night Football against the Jets. And while there are times where it will disappear, uh, for the most part, the Bills have been a sloppy, undisciplined football team this season. And that's why they're five and five. That's why they're not meeting expectations yet and why you saw a pretty big decision made here in the middle of the season to move on from Ken Dorsey. You kind of wonder if the Bills have expired, if they plateaued, right? This Mm -hmm. nucleus, this core, as they're constructed, have they achieved all that they're going to achieve? And is it time to start asking some even bigger questions? Certainly, those questions are starting to be asked, at least internally, it seems, if they're going to make a move like this, Sean McDermott potentially feeling the heat. But offensively, if you look at a lot of the underlying numbers, this has still been a very good offense this season, even with Josh Allen throwing the ball up for grabs two or three times a game. And so personally, I have a hard time hanging a lot of this on Ken Dorsey. How much of this uh, in terms of the criticism and ultimately this action do you think is is earned? Well, he deserves a slice of the pie. That's what I'll say. It's certainly not the only issue at one Bills drive, and it never is. It's never just one thing, but it's the thing that they can do right now, right? Sean McDermott wasn't going to fire himself today, and that decision was potentially for a later time. But what you can right do, do right now is make a switch at offensive coordinator where you had a logical successor in the building in Joe Brady, who's been the quarterback's coach, obviously, what he did at LSU and had his chance with the Carolina Panthers. You know, so you get a seven-game audition for him. Um, and I think what it comes down to is for as statistically strong as the Bills are, right? That's what's going to be confusing about this entire entire conversation for a lot of people is statistically the Bills are at the top or near the top in a lot of the very meaningful offensive categories. But at the same time, watching the team, you can just tell that they're not meeting their potential and there's a lot of meat on the bone and there's just a lot of miscues, whether it is turnovers, whether it's drop passes, missed assignments, processing errors, mental mistakes. And when you have so much of that happening, at some point you got to point your finger right back to the guy coordinating it all, right? It's easy to watch the tape and say, execution error, you know, uh, Ken Dorsey didn't throw that interception. He didn't fumble that football. He didn't miss that block. But when it's all the time and it's that frequent, you got to start asking yourself if the guy pulling the levers isn't responsible for the execution errors while he's not necessarily the guy on the field making the mistakes. And so that's kind of how I rationalize it. And you expect a lot. You had Josh Allen, a superstar quarterback. You've got an offense that's mostly healthy, right? The Bills have had a lot of injuries. They're all on the defensive side of the football. 
you know, they're just not getting enough production six weeks in a row, and it didn't feel like it was getting better. This is the uh, the move the Bills opted to make here to try to shake things up and do their best to go on a run here with seven left to play. I want to I want you to to straddle your your NFL scouting host hat and Bills host hat for a second here because I look at this team and I, I tweeted this out that it seemed like the last couple of years they took a little bit of the late career Aaron Rodgers route and said we're going to invest resources in the defense let Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs sort of lift everything up they made the move in the first round with Dalton Kincaid here but did they did they not do enough to supplement this offense with high end investment at the skill positions, offensive line, those kinds of things to try and create a little bit more continuity here. I'd agree more with that in previous years. I think like this version of the bills had the ingredients necessary to be mm. a top offense and they've been a top offense, right? Like statistically, they've been really good in scoring and yards every single year. I thought this was the most complete supporting cast that Josh Allen's had around him in his career. And I think you can maybe poke some holes in Gabe Davis as the number two receiver. I think there's a lot missing with his skill set. But I think the O-line, the run game, Dalton Kincaid to go with Stefan Diggs, some depth at receiver, I was pretty satisfied with it. Um, but obviously it didn't, it hasn't come together. And here we are. Bills have made a change in offensive coordinator. What needs to happen the rest of the way for this team to look more like the team you thought it would be coming into the season? Play cleaner football. That's the thing, is they 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 don't do the little smart things to help themselves win football games. And obviously I think there's no greater example than what we watched on Monday night football with four turnovers with four huge drops. And then you just, you had, you, you had the game one, you overcame a lot of mistakes. You had the game one, but as you said in the open there, you can't count to 11 and uh, give them another shot at the field goal and you lose a football game. And so I think that was emblematic in so many ways of the, mistakes that this team continues to make on a weekly basis and you, you you look at the operation and you've seen the adversity that they've went through throughout the years right kind of right being being right there in the mix as a contender having the ability to to go and you know win a Super Bowl and you've told yourself that all the things that they've been through in the past were great learning opportunities that could be applied that will help them moving forward well here's the forward part and you're still making a lot of the same mistakes and you just wonder, have, have the Buffalo Bills in their current form expired? I'm certainly asking myself that question right now. Stay up to date all year on the Buffalo Bills by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Bills on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Pelicans are in disarray right now. Before we get to that, college football playoff rankings shifted the top two teams. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, parlays, Teasers, all kinds of fun stuff. The Bucks travel north of the border to face the Raptors tonight. FanDuel has Giannis and company five-point favorites on the road. You can also combine bets for a bigger payout. Same-game parlays are a great way to enjoy watching the game. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to do the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Sports today their first listen. The Locked On Sports YouTube page now has so much more than just Locked On Sports today. We are now live 24-7 with shows from around the Locked On Podcast Network. Go subscribe to Locked On Sports today 
on YouTube to get not just our show, but to be able to watch at any time of day, day or night, 24-7, the Locked On Podcast Network. The best shows, the most important shows from around the network with the biggest stories in sports. It's like a 24-7 version of this show. Subscribe to Locked On Sports today on YouTube. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Georgia overtook Ohio State for the number one spot in the newest college football playoff rankings released Tuesday night after back-to-back wins over top 25 opponents. The Bulldogs made short work of the number 13 Rebels from Ole Miss on Saturday and the number nine Missouri Tigers two weeks ago. Ohio State falls to number two, switching with Georgia, of course, while Michigan and Florida State remain unchanged at three and four. Though, who is ranked higher between Ohio State and Michigan hardly matters right now as the two teams face each other in two weeks. The loser of that game could open up a spot for number five, Washington, or if you get a repeat. In fact, we've seen this a number of times already where a team loses and still makes college football playoff because that's the point of the system, that the best four teams are at the top. The New York Jets cut running back Michael Carter after a players-only meeting on Tuesday. The Jets have lost two straight games without scoring a touchdown, prompting the players to gather on their scheduled day off. The move was announced hours after the meeting, which prompted offensive tackle Mekhi Becton to post on X, This one hurts the most, I can't even lie. A former 2021 fourth-round pick and the team's leading rusher in 2021, Carter was benched after committing a chop block penalty early in the third quarter Sunday night. He played just eight total snaps in the game. The Pacers took down the Sixers, and Tyrese Halliburton was unbelievable. And the AL and NL Managers of the Year were announced Tuesday night. The NL Manager of the Year is first-year skipper Skip Shoemaker from the Miami Marlins. What What a perfect name for a skipper. While the AL Manager of the Year is Brandon Hyde from the Baltimore Orioles. Shoemaker took a Marlins team that had lost at least 93 games in back-to-back seasons to the playoffs this year, while Hyde turned the Orioles from a 110-loss team in 2021 to a 101-win team this past season. Ranger skipper Bruce Bochy was the runner-up in the American League, while former Brewers manager Craig Council was the runner-up in the National Here is another story you need to know. The New Orleans Pelicans had lost five in a row. Zion Williamson was saying troubling things at the podium. And then they go out and they plaster the Dallas Mavericks, 131-110 on an NBA in-season tournament group play night of all nights. Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans joins me now. And and Jake, this has been a a tough team to get a a grasp on because they started off the season. You're like, okay, this is interesting. And then uh, it's not so great. And then they have a night like this where you're like, oh, that's right. This is what this team can do. So how are you trying to make sense of the day-to-day with this team right now? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. But, you know, when you look at those Zion Williamson comments, I think it's all kind of encapsulated in that, right? You can take those comments <clears throat> in a variety of different ways. You could look at those as very negative, which sure. is kind of, I think, the narrative that people did. But I think when you also look into it, he said he's trying to buy in because he does maybe see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that there is a lot of talent here, that if they do put things together, you can go and have this kind of game where you're up 30 points on the Dallas Mavericks for much of the second half. And so as they started to get a little bit healthier in this game, they had Najee Marshall playing, they had Herb Jones who'd been at the previous game. You see that defense start swarming. It turns the defense into easy offense and they kind of 
take off. And that's really what happened here. You know, this is why Zion said, I need to be patient. He used the dreaded phrase, right? Trust the process. But Mm -hmm. this is the process paying off and why you put trust in it. And even though it's been a bit of an up and down season for the Pelicans, one thing that's definitely come out of that locker room is there's a lot of belief in what they're capable of doing, what they're trying to do here. And you saw it pay off. Or or we could just say it's the in-season tournament working. Maybe that's just it. These, these guys must care so much more about it now, Jake. Now, uh, Brandon Ingram, 25 points in this one, also had nine rebounds, seven assists, but still can't get the three ball to drop. Um, his shooting has been off to a nightmarish start to the season. This is a solid shooter, and we're talking about a guy who this season right now is shooting 21% from deep. It, it seems like the offense, it's sort of emblematic of the offense. Like we know what the talent is and it just hasn't quite all clicked. What's going on with Brandon Ingram? Yeah, you know, I think he's still trying to kind of adjust to a slightly different role here. They definitely need him to be a significantly better shooter and they need him to take more threes than he's doing. I think he's averaging like right around four per game. I don't have the numbers in front of me. They want that number to be like six to eight three-point attempts mm-hmm. per game because when you have a non-shooter in Zion Williamson in your starting lineup, in Jonas Valanciunas in your starting lineup, and kind of a non-shooter in Brandon Ingram at times in your starting lineup, there's no space for anyone to operate. And it's why you've seen Zion Williamson struggle, not finish at the rim, as well as he does because he has to go through an extra defender or two compared to other seasons. Same for Brandon Ingram. He can't really get to his spots because the spacing's not there. They need him to just simply be better. It's really that simple. I think they're doing some of the right things offensively, but they just haven't seen some of these players be it at their best. And that's why, you know, if you want to look at a glass half full approach with this Pelicans team, they're, they're four in they're sorry, five and six right now. And they haven't even come close to scratching the surface of their potential. So if Brandon Ingram does get that three ball to start to fall, that he starts to do it in volume, things are going to open up. You know, I think it'll help when you get a guy like Trey Murphy back too. That's the type of stuff that's going to make the offense click. They're still finding their way a little bit with it, but it simply comes down to your best players need to play better. What do you make of those conversations and and, and that narrative that is out there that this could this could end up just being dismantled sooner than we realized? You know, I don't think it would be from a player perspective of someone wanting out necessarily. Look, Zion has said all the right things. He said all the right things for two or three years now, to be perfectly honest with you. He signed that massive extension that ties him to here. He has no leverage. You know, given how many games he's missed the past two seasons, he probably doesn't have the highest trade value around the league either. So the Pelicans would be selling him off at one of the lower points in his career. All that says, like, I don't see anything happening in the next couple of weeks when it comes to this. I think you might be looking at significant changes to this roster should they miss the postseason this year. They definitely have kind of a playoff or bust mentality and not even just the play in tournament, but top six seed in the Western Conference, which is going to be tough this year given how competitive it's going to be. And if they miss that, I think they'll look at moving on from one of Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson, even if there's reasons health most likely that they missed the postseason. So I think that's when you'd see something like that happen. Look, you know, there were discussions with Portland about Scoot Henderson for, you know, one of Brandon Ingram or Zion in the past. They've kicked the tires on gauging Zion's value around the league the season before that too. That's been reported. There's reasons I think it could happen. I don't think you're going to hear it from an unhappy player in the next couple of weeks though. Stay up to date on the New Orleans Pelicans by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Pelicans on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, should Russell Wilson be the favorite for NFL Comeback Player of the Year? The Denver Broncos have had a bit of a renaissance the past few weeks. Most of it has been because of their defense. But Locked On Broncos hosts Cody Rourke and Sarah Bettinger believe it shows why Russell Wilson deserves to be rewarded. 
Is Russell Wilson firmly in the driver's seat after week 10 of the NFL Comeback Player of the Year award? And if not, should he be? I think, Cody, the answer to this question is yes to both. He he is in the conversation, and yes, I think he should be the front runner. I know a lot of the talk was, hey, the second DeMar Hamlin steps onto the field for the Buffalo Bills, like the award is over. I just don't agree with that, although like you and I yeah. talked about before the show, we're really happy for DeMar Hamlin and his situation, and it's inspiring to see that he's been able to make his way back to the field after what transpired last season. This is not necessarily, I don't think it's even something you could really argue with the way that Russell Wilson is playing this season compared to what we saw last year. And and not only that, but there's so much more context to it, isn't there? It's it's so much more than just statistical progression or you know passing a certain eye test for some people or the Broncos playing better as a team. Like Russell Wilson took a, a lot, a lot, a lot of heat last year from national media from some local media from plenty of football fans uh, from the seattle seahawks 12th man which i still don't understand the way they treated him cody after he left after what he did for that franchise he took on a ton of that negativity and he's really bounced back to have borderline i mean he's borderline in the mvp conversation at this point there's a hot take for you not just the comeback player of the year but statistically speaking, the way the Broncos are trending right now, how could you not have Russell Wilson at the top of your comeback list? The comeback player of the year award was originally supposed to be for players that had been hurt. They get hurt, they come back, and you go, okay, wow, this is so cool. They're incredible again after they got hurt. Now, technically, the award says poor performance is one reason why you can win this award. You you have a down year and then you come back, right? It's right in the name. I've just never liked that idea that you should be rewarded for previously being bad. That seems weird, doesn't it? Wouldn't you much rather reward a player who had been hurt, who was unproductive for no fault of their own because they were hurt Rather than rewarding a player who had merely been bad before. Like Ryan Tannehill won in 2019 because he was suddenly good. Not because he overcame some obstacle. And it stands in stark contrast to someone like Alex Smith who won in 2020. Who had his leg shattered on the field and had to endure surgery after surgery after surgery and physical therapy that he's going to win this award and you would give it to someone like Russell Wilson who would only win it because he was cheeks last year. That's ridiculous. That is absurd. But you know what? They did it last year too. Geno Smith was the comeback player of the year. And I got to be honest, like I kind of think that is great. Um, he's not coming back from anything. It's, it's not even really a comeback because he was never good. He had his best season ever. In some ways, I feel like this is the spirit of the Comeback Player of the Year award. He made a career comeback. Russell Wilson, he was really good for a while and then was really, really bad last year. Being less bad this year is reason to win the Comeback Player of the Year award? No thanks. And finally... Giancarlo Stanton's agent clapped back at New York Yankees general manager Brian Cashman while offering a word of warning to any free agents 
who are considered joining the Bronx Bombers. Cashman told the New York Daily News last week that the injury plague Stanton is going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not because it seems to be part of his game. Stanton's agent, Joel Wolf, responded in a statement to The Athletic, I read the context of the entire interview. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the off season. This is a little bit like the old, how did you get fired on your day off? It's the off season. How are you going to get in trouble for something you said in the off season, Brian Cashman? Get a grip. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, who will win the best Thursday night football matchup in a while, the Bengals or the Ravens? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.